Welcome back to the Fresh Expressions podcast. I'm Heather Jalad. And I'm Gannon Sims. And it's hard to believe, but we are in episode seven. And I know we're both excited to share these conversations with you today about you know what's happening in the digital space and really how that's been accelerated by the pandemic. People were already kind of living there, if you will, but even more so now in our pandemic reality and even coming out of it. So Again, and what? Who did you talk to, and and what was really kind of the highlight of your conversation? Well, I was privileged to speak with Chris Morton, and Chris serves as the director of communications and strategic initiatives on the Fresh Expressions team. Chris is sort of our our futurist. He he thinks a lot about trends. He's adept at at research and and connecting the dots and. You know, the, and, and he also weaves some of his own his own narrative. I mean, he, had, he and his wife had a, had their first child in the midst of the pandemic, and he the just cutest you child know, ever. Oh, he is a cute child, Micah. <laughs> Shout out to Micah Morton. But um, you know, he he just he says truthfully that it was if it was hard for you to go to church before the pandemic, yeah, it's really hard now. Um, you know, thinking of all of the things that, that, you know, a, a young family, you know, has to, you know, get just getting in the car is, uh, is, it can be a, a hardship. Um, and so it just, he, he wants to just bring that to our attention and, and that just necessitates a, a much more like thinking outside the walls, thinking outside the box and, you know, thinking of, as you said, Heather, about the digital age, it, it's so much more than broadcasting a church service. Yes. yes, Yeah. It's that was howdy. really significant. And yeah. in, in my conversation, I talked to Ryan Dunn, who is uh, really tasked with creating content and building community with those who are not yet a part of the church. So really aligned with the, the mission of Fresh Expressions. Ryan, hosts his own podcast called Pastoring in the Digital Age. And that's kind of how I I found out about Ryan and a lot of his work. He teaches about building community in the digital space. And that was a significant part of our conversation in that, uh, you know, he he really brought to light or highlighted the fact that while many of us were kind of moved to the digital space as churches, at the beginning of the pandemic, we, we kind of took the broadcast route. So we talk a, a good deal about that and, and the opportunities before us. I know, as I share in my conversation, that the the things that have transpired in the, our ways of life and the habits that we've formed over COVID uh, ha- have certainly you know changed my own life and some of my own habits. And so uh, it is poignant that that Chris shares that if it was hard for you to go to church before, it's even harder now. So let's let's dive into this session as as we think about a future casting, as we think about the way the pandemics have uh, changed us and accelerated. I mean, it's 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 a it's a tragedy in in many respects that we've had this season, but it's also mm-hmm. kind of gotten us to a point that we were probably going to get to this point anyway. Um, and so here we are. And so let's uh, saddle up and ride. Chris, it's really great to have you with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. So just walk me through, you know, as we think about uh, sure. some of the realities we've experienced in the pandemic and then how they're influencing the life of the church. So talk a little bit about being a new parent, for instance. Yeah, early on in the pandemic, when things felt a lot less certain. And I was grappling with having this little child that I was suddenly responsible for. I felt myself really kind of having some moments of despair, thinking a lot about the story of Elijah, you know, going to the mountain to hear the voice of God and be reminded that there were other prophets who had not bent the knee to Baal. And I don't think that I'm Elijah, but that feeling of isolation and wondering uh, just churches were having and are having so much trouble. And we're having this trouble before the pandemic. And just trying to imagine, you know, what kind of church is there going to be there for our little guy as he grows up? We're probably like a lot of Americans that we got married older in our mid 30s, didn't have our son until right around 40. Here in America, it is popular to leave the support system you grew up around and to not necessarily have 
grandparents or aunts and uncles, extended family to help with kids. And you end up having to find other support systems, often paid support systems. That's why the reliance on daycare and things like that is so essential to parents like us. But, you know, at one point I was thinking about how with kids you talk about like play dates and like you have to like when they're little, you have to organize their social life and put it on a calendar. And I realized that the thing that, you know, the combination of working from home and being a pandemic parent is like, all three of us need play dates. <laughs> like Laura needed play dates. I need play dates. Baby needed play dates. And it's exhausting. What, what I'm talking about really there is those uh, incidental relationships are completely gone. We don't have people that we run into on a daily basis. For a long time, our church was only meeting online. Um, and uh, we started out meeting on Zoom. And so I was able to like hold the baby and show him on the screen. We had a lot of backyard parties, especially before vaccines. One of like the like pandemic moments that like we've really seen explode as a trend was obsession around Baby Yoda and the Mandalorian, the new Star Wars show that came out. And we had a friend that would host a Mandalorian viewing party in their backyard. So that was kind of like our primary interaction with other people. There were about six or eight of us that would uh, scatter, you know, and kind of yell at each other across the yard. Um, and I would kind of walk around trying to get the baby to sleep while we would watch a Star Wars show. So I think probably the biggest thing is just noticing like a lot of those natural support systems, like we just haven't had access to and any support we do have, we've really had to seek out and create on our own. And it's exhausting. It's exhausting. So how does that level of exhaustion form how the church should respond in this moment? Yeah. Yeah. I kind of have a joke that uh, something you hear if you're around the missional conversation or youth ministers, there, there are a lot of youth ministers who like to say, it's not my job to disciple your children or, you know, we're not here to like put on a show or whatever. But let me tell you what the exhaustion of being a new parent in the pandemic, the idea of a nice children's ministry where I can like take my kid <laughs> and leave them while I'm with adults for an hour. That sounds amazing. I've never had that. So maybe it's not that great, but that, that sounds really great. But my point is, is that parents are tired. If it was already hard for you to go to church, it's really hard to justify going at all now. Let me give you a few examples. Um, so for instance, uh, if just getting out of the car and getting the kids dressed, you know, and getting somewhere on time was hard, that, that just feels harder for one thing. If you were tangentially connected to a church, like if you were there mainly for relationships, and that was the main reason that you went to a specific church, you're probably not feeling the need to come and see those folks anymore because just relationships in general are so hard to maintain right now. People who are there mainly for the relationships have like found other ways to connect. A lot of those folks aren't coming. If you already had some significant faith-related quandaries, it's really hard. It's really hard to get out of bed on Sunday morning. What we're talking about isn't just the COVID reality, but it's all the other things that we've seen really push to the forefront of the discussion in our country, just and politically and otherwise since 2016. So for instance, if you were already frustrated with churches as as broad as the Roman Catholic Church to the Southern Baptist Church that are having these huge um, issues around sexual abuse and, and all these stories. And if you were already frustrated about that, and then the pandemic makes it just functionally harder to get somewhere on a Sunday, it's going to be really hard to look and say, man, it's really worth going to be with these people because you already had these doubts. If you, if you had doubts that were triggered by the, you know, there was already a lot, but a lot of 
difficulty around the politicization of especially the evangelical church for the last really kind of decade and a half that it's been a, a noticeable trend that, that younger folks, millennials and younger were really struggling with how strongly some churches would identify politically. And then, you know, just the realities of the 2016 election and everything that has come since then really brought that to the forefront. If that was something that was already hard for you, the pandemic made all of those American polarization issues bigger. And going to church where it felt like that was a part of it, you know, that it felt like you couldn't get away from that. You know, if that was already hard for you, you know, you're going to have a hard time justifying getting up on Sunday. I saw a statistic from a church in Houston. They noticed they keep really clear records of attendance. They saw everyone that before the pandemic who attended eight to 12 times a year or less, none of those folks were back. So if before the church shut down in what is, I don't know, March 2020, if you only attended eight to 10 times a year, you probably weren't coming back at all when the church started meeting in person. Now, there is some kind of anecdotal evidence that a lot of those folks are landing in different churches. One way that I like to think about it, I know, Gannon, you've had this experience because you work in college ministry, but when we planted a church, we lost one-fourth of our congregation every summer. You know what I'm talking about? It was either between people that just moved, summer is an easy time to move. Summer's also an easy time to ghost. <laughs> it's an easy time to like, you know, you're on vacation and then maybe you just never come back, Right. I liken what happened when churches tried to start meeting again to the biggest summer ghosting of all time. <laughs> if people were looking for, were in the back of their heads thinking, I'm going to stop going to church or I'm going to find a different church, like the pandemic was the best opportunity ever to do that. And there are people literally that I did life together with on a weekly or multiple times a week basis for years. I just haven't seen since the pandemic and maybe never will again, you know, maybe we'll interact online. That's a sad reality. And it's something that happened plenty of times. It was normal. Like I said, we had it happen every summer, but it really does feel accelerated by the pandemic. And some of that could be an, the, the natural hardship, mm -hmm. yet natural benefit of mm -hmm. pruning. Yep. And, you know, and, and we all know that if you prune, your, your plants are stronger. So let's let's talk a little bit about how the, the pandemic may be shaping the church for the future. Yeah, um, I do think like that the people who remain with a church are the people who want to be there and want to do what the church needs to do. So yeah, I'll, I'll tell you what I mean, and then I'll give you a biblical example. How's that? Um, so. Uh, what we're seeing is the, the the way that churches traditionally have just gathered that wasn't working. It didn't work when the pandemic happened. And then churches started trying to do a whole bunch of things online. And two things happened. One, there was a group of people who felt more engaged than ever in that. Uh, and then two, there were people who happily engaged for a little while online and then zoned out. Uh, so a practical example of this is I know of a church uh, not too far from us here in Austin, Texas, a small town Baptist church, couple of dozen, uh, you know, gray haired people. Uh, and one person in their church was uh, blind. And when they started meeting on Zoom because of the pandemic, that blind person felt a new permission to invite their friends to log into Zoom. So much of the interaction was audio-based anyway. And so within a few weeks, there was this Zoom call with a whole group of blind folks. They had basically created what we would call a fresh expression of church for the blind. Now, I'll tell you what, I can't tell you how many churches I've seen with a sign that said, all are welcome, all are welcome. But here's a group of people that were looking for a church, apparently, 
and um, and did not did not feel welcome there until they started meeting on Zoom. So there's hope in that the people who have remained connected to a congregation are there because they're excited about the mission and they're willing to do things differently and try different contexts and different forms. As I was kind of like looking around, <laughs> honestly, you know, this has been tough, Gannon, because we're a lot of those people that I mentioned, you know, those are the people that we planted our church with. And some of those people aren't coming back. Some of the people I don't even know are around and are excited. Honestly, it reminds me of the story of Joshua and Caleb, right? The Israelites are looking out at the challenges of going into the promised land. Joshua and Caleb understand. Nobody else understands the challenges ahead of them. They know what they're going to have to deal with. They know that God is on their side and they're going to be okay with it. But except for Joshua and Caleb, the entire generation of those folks weren't ready to do what they had to do to go into a new land. So eventually there was a new generation of people who were more like Joshua and Caleb, and they were able to move into that new land. Here's where I find some hope. I believe that when we as church leaders experiment and try to do different things and take some risks, what is going to happen is we're going to cultivate within our existing congregations, a group of people who are risk takers and are excited to do different things. And we're also going to be appealing to those who, uh, are risk takers and willing to try new things. There's a real hope that like you were talking about, this pruning happens and the people that, that remain together as a congregation have a new resilience, a new energy and, you know, willingness to, to, to take a, take some risk and, and probably maybe lower expectations. Right. So again, we're recording this in January 2022. So Austin hit the highest level of infections that we track here, which is stage five. Um, and our church decided, well, it's Austin. It's somewhere between 60 and 90 degrees any day of the week. So we're just going to meet outside. And guess what? We've got a group of people who are happy to meet inside wearing masks or outside in a parking lot. And there are new people who are cool with that. Um, and there are old people who aren't around anymore. Um, and that's sad, but it's also exciting because what I know is when the next thing happens, when the next variant or the next problem happens, this group of people that kind of has, have been willing to, you know, twist and turn will be willing to do the next thing. Yeah. I mean, when you clarify your mission, you take new people with you and, uh, some people um, see that as their cue to exit stage right, so or stage yeah. left, whatever. So, talk to us a little bit about um, you know. There's been you know people experiencing church online. Mm -hmm. uh, I think they might have also experienced mm -hmm. online church. I, yeah. I mean, I think there's a nice distinction we might yeah. make between those two. Uh, talk to us about the future of community building and interactivity mm -hmm. online as opposed mm -hmm. to consuming religious goods and services online, yeah. which is what I fear yeah. many are up to. Okay, that's a good point. So let's do some definition here. First off, I am unapologetically a believer that the church takes place as an embodied group of people living on mission together, that, it, that church happens physically. Um, that being said, I, I think, you know, we also have to admit that all churches take all church expressions. And I mean that in like the lowercase E, any experience of church that we have takes place within our context. So, you know, we're in North America, we're speaking English. Uh, you know, we have certain um, regional stuff that's our context. We have certain like age, socioeconomic stuff that is our context. The digital age that we live in is perhaps the most pervasive part of our context. Here's why that's important. Okay. Rather than talk about creating church online, you know, um, I would like to talk about being the church 
in an age where much of our life takes place online. Does that make sense? What generally happens is we talk about like doing church online, and then what we're really doing is trying to figure out a way to broadcast churchy things, usually sermons, sometimes music, and, and church just becomes a broadcast. Now, the reality of a broadcast and what's different between, you know, a broadcast is a one-to-many medium, yeah. okay? So it's uh, one individual or a small group of individuals sharing to a whole bunch of people. Now, you can experience that one-to-many in a meaningful way, and I think churches should be involved in that. But I think where we get in trouble is when we call just that consuming experience church. Um, it's part of church, uh, but it, to call that, you know, to call that just turning on my screen like I do a million other times, except now it's religious content instead of a TikTok video or something like that, to call that church. I think we're missing missing the point. Now, so the what I would encourage people then to think about is like, what does it mean for your church to exist in this world where so much of our life is mediated through digital experiences? Okay. And Gannon, you and I have this experience. Like we've been, you know, friends for what, eight, nine, 10 years now, and we'll regularly interact, even though you live in Virginia. I live in Texas and we regularly interact digitally, you know, send me a meme or uh, ask me a question via text message or comment on my Facebook or something like that. That is, that is a genuine part of our relationship. And we also have shared history together in person. I think some of that shared history together in person makes some of that other yeah, and, but, and, but, yeah. So, you know, we'll spend time together at Fresh Expressions events or when you're down here in town or something like that. And, and we're kind of catching up a little bit, you know, on the things that you can't talk about via text message or whatever. So churches need to think about this. Here, here's one way that I try to encourage people to think about this. Do you remember the Google Glasses thing a few years ago? Say more. Okay. Google Glass was an attempt to eliminate the need for a screen with some interactive glasses. There was a little camera on it that could capture things. You controlled things by voice. And um, you're, instead of a screen, there was stuff projected onto these glasses. Uh, very, very like sci-fi feeling. The technology just isn't there yet. It was just awkward. People were like, not very many people use it. People kind of staring off the distance. Anyway, there's a term for that, which is augmented reality. Okay. <laughs> augmented reality. And, and welcome to 2022, right? <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. It doesn't feel as weird as it did whatever, seven or eight years ago when they tried to release that. Part of that's because the technology has gotten better, but part of that is because our life has changed. But then think about this idea like, okay, so Google Glass is a silly example, but uh, augmented reality is a huge part of our life. Okay, so um, I just spent a bunch of money to get a, a computer thing installed in our car that will allow like our Google Maps and Apple Maps and our music from Spotify to flow better into our car. So instead of having to look down at my phone on the map, it's um, right there on the console in front of me. Um, that is augmented reality. And then I ask Siri for directions and I hear it in my ears. So instead of having to go to the medium, the medium is interwoven on into my ears, you know, and onto the, the visual spectrum where I'm already looking. That's augmented reality. Here's why I give all of that explanation. I would like to, to suggest that the way that the church works and interacts and lives in this world where everything is so mediated by digital stuff is to think of their ministry as not just taking place face-to-face or not just taking place online, but that we really have to use technology to augment our ministry. We have to use technology to augment our ministry. Um, So some examples of this, right? For a while, I led a small group where um, we discussed some ideas that came out of our sermon on Sunday. Not a brilliant idea, but churches do it. Here's the thing about my small group, though. I would say, you know, 
uh, about 80% of the participants did not attend more than one Sunday a month. Now they might come to our small group. They might be there every week, you know, and then we might hang out on the weekends just because we're friends, right? Um, but we were able to have this sermon-based small group because they would go and listen to the podcast on their own time, you know, maybe while they're folding laundry, a podcast of the sermon, and then we'd be able to discuss it. And actually, for a lot of people, they were more engaged in that sermon content than they ever were. So rather than just saying the only experience of that sermon is to be in the room, you know, here was an, an online experience where they could uh, then kind of bring it, uh, bring it with them, experience it wherever they want. And if they weren't ready, you know, we had a lot of folks who had maybe uh, were skeptical and had their reasons for not wanting to come to church on a Sunday, but they did want to be a part of a Christian community. Uh, so this really worked for them. But also there's just kind of the augmented kind of social interactions for a pastor to be able to track someone on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram and see what that person is watching or reading or, or talking about with their family or stuff like that and interact that way. You know, that gives a, a pastor the opportunity to see into folks' lives that they might not be able to otherwise um, and to interact all week long. Um, so practically what I would suggest is this first off, like your digital ministry is only as good as your real IRL ministry as, as your in real life ministry. If you have a really compelling mission that is, uh, driving your community to, to, to serve God in new and exciting ways, you're going to find new and exciting ways to talk about that on the internet. <laughs> Um, if you don't even know why you gather and it's just some people who kind of feel stuck and they haven't seen God move in their lives and they don't know how to be authentic with each other, they're not going to share about that on social media. They're not going to talk about it, uh, you know, forward the recording of that podcast to their friends or family or something because it's lifeless. So uh, what we really need to do is we really need to have like a compelling mission and and then find ways to talk about that online. No, that makes that makes uh, complete sense. Um, church and augmented reality, making sure we've got face to face interaction, mm -hmm. online interaction, a mission worth dying yeah. for living for yeah um and that's well, you know that's a really quick yeah. example sorry let me yeah. just give a couple of quick examples oh, sure. you got a sermon coming up yeah i you've got and maybe you spend two weeks prior researching you know share the quotes that you're writing about if you're planning a, a retreat for your youth group send some pictures of the place that you're gonna meet on instagram uh, on instagram uh and do instagram stories while you're there um so there's this great thing about like when about being an embodied community uh social media we can use harness <laughs> the powers of social media uh for good right so probably the worst thing about social media i don't know what the worst thing is but one of the worst things about it and especially instagram is how it creates such a sense of fomo well you know it stands for fear of missing out right yeah. um but if your goal is to get people to gather and experience life together and the, the Holy Spirit among them. Then with that FOMO uh, that you create on social media should hopefully draw people in. You know, every time you post some picture of what you're doing together uh, as a community, someone is going to look at that and say, oh, I, I wish I hadn't slept in this Sunday, right? Or, oh man, I wish I had friends like that. Uh, so, so we can... Uh, you know, harness, you know, take what you're already doing and then find ways to talk about it in these different mediums um, that, that is meaningful. That's great. Well, we've been joined by Chris Morton, um, Director of Communications and Strategic Initiatives with Fresh Expressions. And again, our uh, chief team lead on all things uh, relevant, informative, and culturally appropriate. So, uh, Chris, I'm, I'm grateful for your, your presence among us today, grateful for your ministry, and um, thanks for reading and synthesizing <laughs> for us in this season. Sure thing. This is the Fresh Expressions Podcast. 
everybody. I am so excited to get to share with you today a new friend to me, my friend Ryan Dunn. Uh, We've been talking in the Fresh Expressions world about how the pandemic has really been quite the accelerator to a lot of things that were already happening in the world. And one of them certainly is in the digital space. So before we start to dig into that conversation, I would love for you, Ryan, to just introduce yourself to everybody the way you like to be introduced and tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Sure. Uh, my name is Ryan Dunn. I'm a deacon in the United Methodist Church. I currently serve a primarily at United Methodist Communications. My role there is as the Minister of Online Engagement. And uh, what that really means is that I I serve as kind of like a point of invitation and connection for what we call spiritual seekers. So people who are interested in topics of faith and maybe interested in learning more, but aren't quite dialed into a specific community of faith. So my hope is that I can begin to build a relationship with somebody and help them plug into a local expression of a faith community. Um, Besides that, I I serve at a local church. I do all the social media stuff for them, for Glencliff United Methodist Church here in Nashville, Tennessee, where I live. And um, what else can I tell you? I'm uh, married to Gina, (laughs) Father Braden, and we live in Nashville. Nash Vegas, Nash Vegas. That's where all the things are happening. Yes. So I know that um, you're not new to this. I I call you an early adopter. You were like way ahead of the curve as far as all of this is concerned. So uh, share a little bit about, you know, the the beginnings of your entry into the digital space and kind of how that's changed over the pandemic era that we're living in. Yeah. Well, what surprised me when I first started doing this kind of work is how many people were actually engaged in that. You know, it's thrilling to be called an early adopter, but I feel like there were so (laughs) many people who were engaged this work long before I was. I think it's just that their their work has been for specific populations of people. And maybe what's so different now is that we've all kind of awoken to the need that we have for really all of our faith communities to be engaged in, in some kind of, of digital ministry. So um, my work began when um, I had long been kind of fascinated with fresh expressions of church, uh, you know, familiar with the fresh expressions yeah. movement and uh, loved reading about some of the ways that that was popping up in ideas like, I don't know, kayak church and um, <laughs> over in Boone, the, the, the Boone Street Salute and yeah, um, yeah, yeah, and expressions like that. So uh, I was looking for ways as uh, of of living into that in my calling as a deacon, which is to bring the church into the world. So how do we continue to usher the church out into the community to meet new people? And uh, I just happened along this job advertisement for this minister of online engagement for United Methodist Communications. Wasn't even looking for a new job at the time, but I thought, oh man, that sounds so exciting. So uh, I applied for it and I had a background in, in both youth ministry, but even prior to that in online marketing and communication. Okay. And so it, it just gelled up very well where the skill set that I was able to build kind of in my pre-ministerial life was finally being drawn into my ministerial life um, in a way that felt like I was able now to be able to bring the church out into new populations of people to meet people where they are through the the digital means. Curiosity question before yeah. we get really in the weeds on on digital space and digital church. Not, that's that's the topic of our conversation. But what has changed? Um, or what else was accelerated maybe for your use in during the pandemic that you hadn't anticipated? For me, I'll go first. Like, I will never shop in a grocery store again. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. It's all delivery <laughs> all the time. Online grocery shopping. Yeah. Like, hmm. sign me up. I can sit, you know, on my couch with my phone and, and get my groceries and have them delivered to my door. Yeah. What about you? You know, for me, I think it's the the opening up of I of things that we can do online that I assumed were just kind of like in-person practices, like, like visiting a doctor, you know, yeah. I, 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 Oh, of course I've got to be in the room with that person, but there's a lot that we can accomplish through a virtual doctor's visit. Not everything. Right. But there's, right. 
there's still a lot that we can do there or, or therapy sessions, or even like working with a personal trainer. A lot of us now have experience working with a personal trainer online. That's not something that we really envisioned doing before the pandemic, at least for most of us, you know? So there's kind of this blurring of, you know, what we thought was embodied in person, uh, practices and now mm-hmm. things that we're able to do in a digital expression. Mm-hmm. And I, I think, you know, and I think that's pushed the limits of our, you know, it's pushed the limits of our understanding as far as what it takes for, for something like that. Right. For mm-hmm. sure. And, and, you know, our, our friend, um, uh, Michael Beck always, uh, t- talks about the digital natives versus the digital immigrants. Right. Yeah. And, and the, the generation that's coming up right now, this is all they've ever known. And so it's very real to them, although we might think of it, you know, uh, so, so much to a degree of a disembodied right um, practice or belief or or um, community, but there is a, a real uh, virtuality rather than a virtual reality to to what is happening in the digital mm. space. So pastoring in in the digital age doesn't look like. Uh, peeking in the window of a church on Sunday morning, right? Although some people have done that. So mm-hmm. say a little bit about that. Yeah, I, there <laughs> is some of that, and it, it's important to note that as as church leaders that we offer people the opportunity to do that, to kind of fishbowl our, our faith community as it is. But I think what, what a lot of us have awakened to during this, this time of revealing that COVID has brought to Mm -hmm. us is that uh, online ministry can not just be a form of kind of broadcast ministry where it's like, we, the faith community have the voice and we send that out to everybody else. But it is a form of relationship building now where people have the opportunity to speak back with us. Uh, And so there's this really kind of awakening to this need that we have to use this, not just in terms of broadcasting and letting people see who we are, but also letting people know that uh, we're here to, to conversate with them, to relate to them, to begin to share life together. And the, the digital means opens that up in, in so many ways um, that a lot of us who are, as you put it, digital immigrants, which uh, mm-hmm. I would probably have to include myself in, in that demographic, um, are awakening to now, whereas the, the digital first culture, like my son is definitely a digital native. Right. Um, that's intrinsic to him, right? He, right. all of his, um, all of his relationships, especially in this space and time are are facilitated through the digital world with kind of accents of in-person visits um, where, you know, that that's different for a lot of us. But I I think now we are starting to see that, you know, I have the opportunity to relate to my friends on a daily basis through the social media world. uh, Whereas if I were just to rely on that in-person incarnated presence of my embodied self with them, (laughs) let's face it, we'd be talking like, every few months. So. Yeah, no, I I think that there's, there's something significant to what you said. And that's the difference between broadcast, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Which I think was, was what everybody felt like they were really pushed to do immediately, right? When the pandemic struck, and we couldn't when we couldn't meet in person. But since then, I think some things have uh, from have changed and developed and been rounded out to, to significantly as to what that looks like. And it looks different for every uh, church community. But I think many people had a common experience in that they found out their reach was a lot farther than they had, you know, even imagined before when they had people joining them from other countries, Mm -hmm. right? It just opened up this space or other states or whatever. It really, um, you know, in the words of John Wesley, made the world our parish in a whole new way. Uh, But I, I think also at the same time, we then had to really grapple with what does it look like to build relationships? And that's where that that relational quality, I think, has become more and more significant in the digital um, in the digital space and those uh, sermonic conversations, if you will, rather mm. than just a delivery of a of a message and inviting people to participate. Yeah, and I, I think it's amazing that now we see this in a, like even in an online streamed worship service that people are a lot more prone to conversate there. Yes. than we would be if we were in a sanctuary, right? So for those of us from a 
certain faith tradition, like our reaction in a sanctuary space might be to like vigorously nod our heads, right? Or smile as loudly as we can to just let the know, let the pastor know that, that we're agreeing with her. But now we have the opportunity within digital space where we can ask questions and, and actually have conversations around that in real time. I mean, this is a tremendous opportunity that we have to be able to uh, n- not just interact and build relationship with people, but also to um, to kind of instruct people in real mm-hmm. time or, mm-hmm. or to do some public theology in an open space. I mean, it's really, mm-hmm. really revealing to, to see those conversations happening and to encourage them to happen. That's good. I think, I think it, you know, to, to some degree it has, um, filled the, 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 the digital, um, pews, if you will, um, with even more people potentially at the same time, while we've grown bigger, we've grown smaller Mm. and that we have the ability to form relationships in a way with the people that are a part of that, that, that we hadn't even considered before. Yeah. Um, because of that exchange that's able to take place there, um, uh, in that space, what, what do you, what are some of the most creative things that you've encountered? I mean, you, you have a whole podcast called pastoring in the digital age. That's how I happened upon you and, uh-huh. and found you, but what are, what are some of the more creative things or effective ways that you've seen and engaging people, um, in, in this kind of a space? I, I've kind of stumbled into this whole kind of subculture of gamer church. So, uh, folks who are meet, like using video gamed themed platforms to to meet people and then form faith community around that. So uh, wow. there are, are a number of people who uh, like their primary parish, so to speak, would be a gaming platform like Twitch. Uh, and their mission as ministers is to get onto Twitch and to play games and a lot of times this is a, a space where then they are able to meet people and inter- interact with them. So within the fresh expressions movement, I know that you're well aware of trying to take advantage of kind of third spaces yes, where, where yes. people congregate. Well, they found this creative way to inhabit a third space uh, where people are congregating online to play video games together. And, and then just by being a presence there and kind of incarnating the word in that space through who they are, they're able to open up some relationships. And then that turns into something deeper, whether they're inviting them then to uh, like a streamed worship service or a space in which they can have, I guess, more directed conversations about spiritual practices um, than while they're they're able to do that. So uh, a couple of practitioners I think about are uh, within the Methodist tradition, Nathan Webb with Checkpoint mm-hmm. Church is doing that pretty well. Um, there's a, a fellow named Jate Earhart who is is doing that. Um, uh, there are actually quite a number of people yeah. who are doing that. Yeah, yeah no, and I, I know Twitch kind of really was kind of uh, almost reinterpreted or transformed during this time, um, you know, by the by the potential to, to to kind of build some community when people felt so like isolated. Um, and, and to your point, really fresh expressions are formed in places where people are already gathering. So mm-hmm. it's not like you're coming out of left field and creating a quote unquote worship service or planting a church per se, but that you're meeting people where they are already. They're already engaged in doing that. It's, you know, I, I, you would not find me in a gaming, you know, church. You wouldn't find me in, in Twitch because that's just not something I do or that I'm passionate about, but you might find me, you know, um, uh, doing a, uh, I started a Facebook group, for people that love charcuterie boards, I have yeah. 200 people from all over the country in there. And when we get on and on and in there and share things. So you, you find the places where people are already gathering what they're already, where their affinities lie. Yep. And you, like you said, you're faithfully present there. And, um, and then as a result of that, you have opportunities to opt in to, to these different deeper practices or conversations or, or whatever. Yeah. One of the things that I did early in the pandemic was I joined a bunch of Facebook groups all around yeah. things that I was interested in. Right. So it might be like fitness for dads and, um, fantasy football and, um, well, digital ministry, <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, wherever I could kind of drop in 
And I did so with the idea that not that I was going to try to hijack the conversation for my exactly um, yes. you know, my platform and get people to, to join me there, but just that I might be able to have something to offer in these platforms and get to know some people. And I, I think that as Christians, like we can entertain a calling to, to do that just about anywhere, right? Yes. Um, certainly Fresh Expressions, one of the reasons why I love your movement is that um, it is... It's all about that kind of being uh, Christians within the spaces where we live all, all day, every day. Right. Not for just about an hour right. on one yeah. day of the week. Exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what do you what do you what have you been like your biggest lessons in the last two years? Like what are or, you know, I like to say that we don't really fail. We just learn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, for, me, for me, it's definitely been rethinking how uh, as a church communicator, I treat social media. so that. Uh, I think coming out of the local church uh, tended to use it as a, as a broadcast platform, as I kind of alluded to before. So, you know, I've got information that I need to get to you. Like, Hey, we're going to have our fellowship dinner on Wednesday night. It's going to be spaghetti. You need to know this so that you can come and participate. And uh, for me, the biggest shift then has been to be not how I can utilize these platforms to just throw more and more information out there, but how I can utilize these platforms to uh, actually invite people into conversation. So um, instead of posting solely about like our upcoming events, a a lot of the pivot for me has been to look backwards at some of the things that we've done together and then ask people uh, how this affected them or Mm -hmm. even ask people in real time then, you know, like, how do you see the spirit moving within your day? right now uh, yeah. to, to call open those possibilities to have a, like a transformative conversation or even just an uplifting conversation. Oh, that's good. And, and that level of awareness too, I think, you mm-hmm. know, because some of us are just trying to get through another day. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but looking, looking for where God's working and where those invitations are. And um, that's, that's awesome. What, if, if you had to encourage people that are kind of, uh, you could say playing in the digital space right now, um, what, what would be, what would be your encouragement to them, um, as as far as the digital space and, and potentially planting, uh, fresh expressions of church? Yeah. Well, it's nothing new to kind of, own your own space to go where you are. So, you know, either you lift it up that you're probably not going to go on to Twitch. And (laughs) there are, there are lots of people who are willing to do that. So, you know, not Mm -hmm. all of us need to feel called to go on to Twitch or discord or anything like that. I'm not, I'm not a Twitcher either. Um, I I do a lot better in Facebook. So to go ahead and, and utilize the space, which you are already inhabiting. Like I don't have a great Twitter game, but uh, I'm pretty good at like surfing around in Facebook groups and uh, offering my two cent takes on whatever's being posted (laughs) there. Uh, So just feel free to not feel like you have to do all the things, but just to do like the one thing and to do it, to do it well. And, and to do it well, I think like we can let go some of the presuppositions that we might have that we need to have like high quality all the time. I think in order to do things well, like the first step is just to be consistent. So uh, to show yeah. up in a space where you already are consistently. <laughs> I know nobody can see me if they're not if they're just listening to the podcast, but I'm I'm nodding profusely because mm-hmm. that's one of the things that I coach people to do when they're they're looking to form a fresh expression. Just be consistent. Mm-hmm. Show up mm-hmm. in the same place at the same time. So you see the same people and you start to build relationships and you, you know, and you hear their stories. And, and, um, that's that very significant part of the fresh expressions journey is just listening, listening, listening. Mm, Yes. Yeah. And I think that's a great invitation to even not feel like you need to, to throw up three posts on whatever platform you are a day, Mm -hmm. but maybe you just need to drop in every day to listen, like start there. get to know the people with whom you'd like to start doing community with. That's good. Cause to your point, when you come in with like this agenda, 
right? Like you need to hear this. I need to make sure you know this, you know, then, then that to some degree can, can prevent you from hearing the things or just being present and available in, in ways that you could be otherwise. Totally. None of us enjoy it when somebody else hijacks our platform. So we definitely don't want to do that to somebody else. Touche. Touche. And, and just like I wouldn't, you know, while you might not join my, my charcuterie board, uh, <laughs> Facebook group, uh, and I wouldn't be in Twitch. You know, I wouldn't start a fresh expression uh, for for people that ride motorcycles because I don't ride a motorcycle. But yeah. but to your point, where are you already spending time, and how is the spirit inviting you to to be fully present there? Mm-hmm. Um, I think is 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 well put. Um, okay, so if you have because because I, I look at you as the expert, although you're not speaking from on high, right? You're you're practicing what you're what you're preaching. Um, and I know that you're learning a lot of things along the way. But if you had to have like, these are the three things you should do. And these are the three things you should not do. What would those things be? Um, three things you should do three things you should not do. Um, let's see that. I'll try to do the not do things first to think about the things that I tried to avoid okay. <laughs> on a regular basis. And, you know, I think number one is uh, like one thing that I have to not do is assume that I am the authority, right? Because mm. <laughs> somebody out there is, um, is doing something new and they're mm-hmm. doing it well. And there's so much to learn, especially within this kind of, open aired realm that we're working in right now, which is digital ministry, where there's so much new going on. There's so much creativity being expressed that, um, there is so many things that, um, that I have yet to learn. And and I find that anytime I feel like I am beginning to be a voice of authority, like if I just wait 20 minutes, then we moved on from (laughs) my level of knowledge that somebody else has got something to add that I need to learn. So, uh, that's definitely one thing. Um, and then secondly is not to feel too much pressure in trying to live up to everybody else, what everybody else is doing. So, mm, uh, you know, there are people out there with way more resources than most of us have, uh, who have, it seems like infinitely more time <laughs> to yeah. be in these spaces than most of us have. So I, I think to just kind of be a realistic about trying to do our own thing well, um, mm-hmm. and, and to let go some of those higher expectations. And that's why I think it's important to just kind of commit to being consistent as we've mm-hmm. already noted. Um, I know lists are supposed to come in three, but I'm, I'm struggling to think of a third thing <laughs> that I, uh, to not do. I, I think maybe the third thing to not do is assume that what we're doing in digital space is just a temporary thing. Um, mm, that's you know, good. Increasingly yeah. more our society is moving towards a digitally native or at least a digital first society where wherever we are looking to interact with people or do business, like we are doing so first through digital means. And um, very few of us are going to go to a doctor without looking up that doctor online first and, and getting to know what, what she's about or very few of us would even go to a new store and and look up. I, I think about like, if I were to get into um, mountain bike, mountain biking, for example, mm-hmm. uh, not mm-hmm. something that I know very much about, uh, I definitely need to do some research about where to go shopping for a mountain bike. And considerable amount of that research is going to be like, um, am I going to learn something from the staff yeah. about mountain biking? I want to know these stories. So, uh, you know. And that's going to happen more and more where the digital is like the front porch of, of all of our ministries. And so we can't assume that things are going to go back to where they were in 2019. So 100%. um, And, and I guess that also turns into like, what do people need to keep doing or, or what, you know, what are the practices that we're going to glom on to it? It's with that to just continue doing some of the digital stuff. I I think it's important that we do always kind of have an open air sense to our faith communities where people, we make it easy for people to get to know us. I I think that's very important. And when we are consistently putting our stories out there in digital spaces, then we're making it very easy for people to get to know us. Um, and, And I guess maybe that would be my invitation as people consider like, where do we need to get involved in digital space? Um, 
go to the spaces where it's going to be easiest for the people whom you'd like to be in community with to get to know mm. you. <laughs> Maybe that's the the big part of it there. Um, so like for my, uh, for my little church, Glen Cliff here in Nashville, Tennessee, like our people are not on Twitch, <laughs> but our, our right. people are on Facebook. So it's important that we have a consistent presence in the Facebook space because that's where we're connecting with the most people and where they're more likely to open up and share their stories and invite more people to get involved in the work that we're doing. No, that's good. And I would say, you know, even more so, you know, I've been accused of being old because I live on Facebook, but, um, <laughs> and I know that there is a, <laughs> there's a certain age range, right. That you find on the different platforms, but to the same degree, I think that, you know, the younger generations are also more willing and open um, to share things on social media than they would, you know, otherwise as than, than we would probably. Yeah. And, and it feels like an invitation to meet people where they are. Yeah. And I think that maybe that is a, a good second idea of things that we can start doing to be in digital spaces, just to kind of be authentic and to risk sharing a little bit about our lives. Mm. You know, we, uh, in a, a lot of times in ministry training, they talk about having healthy boundaries. That's super important. Uh, but sometimes right. we impose uh, those boundaries in, in saying that, um, well, our our kind of online presence is is our own, and we're going to mm-hmm. hold that separately from our our ministry. But mm-hmm. anybody who is looking at at your profile, Heather, or my profile online, is already making connections to our ministries. Mm-hmm. In in a sense, they're forming a brand impression of what our ministries are through who we are and the kinds of things that we're up to. And so um, a second invitation would be to just be mindful of that, that you're never going to, as a ministry leader, like in these open air spaces, social spaces, we don't really get to separate from our ministries very much. So uh, what we do is a reflection on that, but also then we have the opportunity to share about our ministries through who we are. Um, yes. And so just to be intentional about that, like if you're looking through your profile and you're not talking about your ministry space in any way, then, um, you know, maybe entertain some ideas of sharing uh, how your ministry impacts the the rest of your life or how it uplifts your life as an invitation so to people who are engaging with you in that space. Well, is there anything else that you would add to the do or don't, lo- don't do list that's coming to mind or? Um, yeah, just try things. I think that would be the third thing. Yeah. I, I feel like this has been such an exciting time and the positive lately because in so much of ministry world, we've gotten permission to kind of try things out, <laughs> to, yes. to grab onto some creativity without being super afraid about whether they succeed or fail. I know that a lot of us over this period of time uh, grabbed onto ideas that maybe had utility for something just like three months, but uh, have since faded away. and that's, that's okay because it's, it's led us into some other spaces. So. um, Yeah. I'm I'm shaking my head. Yes. Again, like profusely, because I think that's a lot of, you know, some of the, the tension that we manage and, 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 and starting fresh expressions of church are doing those experiments to potentially um, build relationships and, and with people that are never going to walk in the doors of our church is that thinking that whatever we start has to last for eternity. Um, Mm -hmm. And 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 knowing as you as we began our conversation that God doesn't waste anything, right? That 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 whatever seeds are planted or, or soil is cultivated uh, for the kingdom of God um, is 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 going to um, have eternal implications. We might not see it, but that, but that's part of what God's doing. And then the other part is what we learn along the way. To your point, as we experiment, as we try things, just trying to be faithful, right? Yeah. And 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 this disruptive um climate that has really really pushed the limits of innovation and that is really really exciting. Mm-hmm. Really yeah, exciting. Indeed. So Ryan, where what is I guess what is the spark of light or the place that you're finding hope right now? The place I'm finding hope right now. I I just touched on it a little bit in this period of innovation that we're yeah. going through. I'm sure that you get to see it all the time through the fresh expressions movement in the fresh ways <laughs> to borrow <laughs> a word there where, um, uh, where the church is popping up in, in unexpected ways. Um, and I feel mm-hmm. like that's just kind of been accelerated through this time that something new is afoot that yeah. um, the church is uh, 
in a sense, reclaiming its mission to um, not just be a, an institution that exists for the people within the, the quote yes. unquote walls of the church, but um, is really kind of reclaiming an outward mission where we're focused on how we meet people <laughs> who are yeah. not otherwise part of the church. So good. So good. Yeah. That outward, that outward facing posture, I think is something that has been missing that we've had to reclaim to yes. your point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Good and this stuff. is an exciting time to, to see and that. And we are changed as a result. And that's not a bad thing. Right. <laughs> that's not a bad thing. So what is, if, if there is a question that I haven't asked you that I should have asked, what is it? <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, that's a hard one. I don't know what I don't know. So, uh, mm. yeah. Um, well, I, how about this? I'll, I'll just, I'll turn it on you. I'll turn it over to you instead, Heather. Uh, what kind of cool digital expressions have you seen through the fresh expressions movement? Well, you know, I, um, I, I, I think that, you know, again, when we think about digital church or uh, or even online church, we we have certain ideas about what that looks like. Mm -hmm. And if to your point, we kind of reclaim our identity um, in this whole uh, kingdom minded, outward facing, go make disciples uh, posture that uh, that that looks a little bit more first century church. Mm -hmm. um, it looks God is produced and. Um, um, uh, predictable maybe even. And it looks a lot more like, uh, small communities of people, you know, um, engaging with one another on a regular basis and, um, and, and exploring what it means to be a follower of Jesus together. Mm. I, I love what our friend uh, Michael Beck did with living room church. I love what, um, my friend Sharon, Shannon Carafond has done in the digital space with her holy mischief yeah. movement, um, because it's got people engaged from, you know, from all over the place and, um, and really just trying to do things to bless people's lives, including themselves, right. To be that, um, that spark of light and joy and hope, um, you know, in the world that, that we're called to be. So uh, those are, those are two things that I would really, um, lift up, but I, I haven't been in the discord world. I know there's some exciting things happening in that space too, for people to connect. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's but, a good platform for just kind of, um, conversation having that's not always needed to, to be held in real time, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. Mm -hmm. So it's not the um, meeting that should have been an email, but it's something else, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> something all, else altogether. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I really think it's, it's looking more, you know, first century church in the digital space. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I think that speaks again to the, the gift of the fresh expressions movement and meeting people in their everyday lives and their every, everyday affinities, loves, passions, hurts, hangups, whatever, whatever the case may be. Um, and finding that place of connection and community. Yeah. If we do have time, you have brought up the kind of differentiation in passing the differentiation yeah. between digital church and church, digital or online church, online church, church versus church online. Yeah. 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 And, um, and and I think that it, that when you first threw that question out there, it it sent me back a little bit because it's not something I had really considered. I'm aware of a number of churches right now that are primarily digital expressions, so like Checkpoint Church or or Lux Digital Church. I just talked with Mark Lutz a, a couple of days ago, and um, that's a fully online church. But in their vision, it's funny because none of these churches have a vision to always stay just within the digital space. Like mm -hmm. they always plan on having some movement towards the embodied thing. Um, mm -hmm. and, and so I, I think that number one, that can assuage some of our fears that, Oh, we're, we're giving up being an embodied people together. I, I don't think yeah. anybody actually advocates for that. At least I haven't mm -hmm. come across anybody that mm -hmm. advocates mm -hmm. for that. Um, but also that the idea that, um, that, when we start to talk about church, like church is something that exists as people uh, and not within a specific space. So, you know, mm. none of us look at a church building and yeah. none of us theologically correctly look at a church building and say, that's the church, right? right. I mean, we have, we open the doors, there are the people, that's the church. 
Uh, and right. it's the same way that we can look at kind of the online space where uh, a church does not exist in digital space. The church exists in the in the community of people who they are. And sometimes in the, in the temples, yeah, in yeah. the temples where the spirit lives, right? Right. And sometimes <laughs> those people are connecting primarily through digital ways, but yeah. uh, that is not the full embodiment of the church. So um, that's good. That's good. We talk a lot about in the movement. We talk about the both andness, right? Mm, that we're not yeah. arguing for doing away with the inherited church or yeah. or the institution or the tra- the traditional form of church, however you uh, want to name it, but. But instead, we're we're um, it's really about doing new forms, being about new forms of church in partnership with the existing forms of church. And yeah. both are changed and there is a mutuality and there, there is a sharing and a um, uh, innovation that happens in both as there's kind of that cross pollination between the two. Right. Yeah. Um because it the, the our inherited church is is necessary for our our new forms of church to take root to some degree right um, and we want to take all of the best parts of our our faith tradition our heritage um, forward into the into to what's new into this new era that we find ourselves in and um, and that's really, you know, to some degree, the gift of the the digital space and the possibility I think that's been afforded us there. Mm-hmm. Both and. Yes. Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Ryan, it's been so fun to be with you and get to talk to you and get to know you a little bit better. Tell everybody where they can find you online, how to get in touch with you, ask you questions, find out what you're doing. Sure. Um, maybe a, a great way you can uh, check out the podcast. <laughs> I'll, yeah. I'll put that little plug in there. That's shameless that's, plug. Yes. Yeah, uh-huh. Pastoring in the digital parish. And I believe we have the the website pastoring in the digital parish.com. So search that it, it'll draw you over to that podcast. Um, and with that, an email for me would just be digital parish at umc.org. Awesome. I'm Thank sorry. you so you know much. What? I just butchered that email address. No, it's umc.com, isn't it? UMC. U-M-C-O-M-U-M-C-O-M.org. <laughs> so we'll get let me it start right. again. Digital parish <laughs> at umcom.org. <laughs> there we go. Okay. Well, <laughs> they'll find you. Yep. <laughs> they'll find you. I know they'll be looking for the podcast. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for what you're doing for the church in the digital spaces and for the church in those physical places as well. Um, and we look forward to getting to c- continue the conversation about these digital spaces. I'm sure we'll have you back on at some point in the future when everything's changed again. <laughs> All right. That would be awesome. <laughs> thank you, Ryan. Thank you. Fresh Expressions is a worldwide movement of everyday missionaries who want to see churches thrive in the places we eat, play, work, and yes, even in our traditional churches. To learn a simple five-phase process for starting a new expression of church, go to freshexpressionsus.org backslash how to start. The Fresh Expressions podcast is hosted by Gannon Sims and me, Heather Delod. It's edited by Joel Limbaum, and produced by Kathleen Blackie and Chris Morton. Our national director is Dr. Christopher Backert. If you've learned something or been encouraged by this podcast, please help us spread the word. You can give us a review on Apple Music or Spotify and share this episode on social media. Now, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine on us so that God's ways may be known on earth your salvation among all nations.